0: Before we get to today's edition of the 5 Reasons Podcast, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Greenlight Tech. Every sport needs a team, same as in business. That's why more small to mid-sized businesses in South Florida are choosing Greenlight Tech, the full-service concierge IT company that gets it right. Greenlight Tech advises, monitors, supports, and keeps your important data backed up and secure. They'll even manage your vendors. Call Greenlight Tech at 561-325-9997. That's 561-325-9997. Mention this ad and get a free assessment. Sign up and get your first month free. Greenlight Tech. Be unstoppable. Visit greenlighttek.com.
1: And now, let's start the show. Welcome into episode 54 of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick. Here with Chris Whittingham, as always, we are on iTunes. You can also find us, if you're an Android person, on Google Play, Stitcher, and our hosting app, Podbean, which is a great place to get us because our other podcasts are grouped with us, and we've got Miami Heat Beat. They'll be going every Monday and Thursday during the offseason as the Heat are not in the playoffs, but obviously covering what may go on with them starting in July. Also, Three Yards Per Carry, our very popular Dolphins podcast, Ballscast, which is a look at Miami sports culture podcast, politics with a humorous edge. And of course, Chris, you want to mention this for a second here, uh, the debut of Pitch Invasion, our soccer podcast on Wednesday. What's that going to be about?
0: The interview for Grant Wall has already been taped. We're going to talk about some Champions League final, maybe start to get in the World Cup a little bit, but we really get into the World Cup
1: starting next week. So subscribe to the pod now. and We'll be talking plenty of soccer throughout the summer. And we've got a few other concepts that are going to be coming after that. Be sure to follow, uh, in particular, a Twitter account at TheFishTank81. At TheFishTank81, you can get all of the updates about what's going on with them. Now, we've done a number of NBA podcasts here on Five Reasons. We did one with Howard Beck. We did one with Vinny Goodwill. Now we want to do one with somebody who looks a little better on TV than all those guys, which is our (laughs) friend Seku Smith from NBA TV. Seku, thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, fellas, no problem. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing well, and you've been covering... One of the reasons I want to touch base with you is you've been traveling, covering this series, the Western Conference Finals, the real NBA Finals. At least that's what we thought it was going to be before this started. If so, I don't know how long it's going to go, but clearly the winner of the championship is going to come out of the Western Conference this year. And you were at that blowout last night for the Warriors. Before we get into more about the Warriors and kind of what can stop this Warriors run, because I think that's really the only question that remains here, not just stop it now, but also stop it in the next two, three, four years. What were your impressions of what happened last night in Oakland?
2: I'm getting numb to these blowouts, you know, in the pace and space era, Ethan, because basically teams wave the the white flag as soon as the other team goes on a 10-0 run out of halftime. I mean, there is no all right, we're going to trim this to five or six by the end of the third quarter and then go all out, you know, to start the fourth to see if we can flip this game. They don't – teams don't do that anymore. It's it's striking to watch how many runaway wins we've seen. I was hoping for nail biters. I wanted these two teams to go at it, you know, the way powerhouse teams did in a bygone era. And that's just not the game that we see anymore. So I was – You know, I'm getting a little sick of it, to be honest with you. I wanted to see the Warriors and the Rockets make each other play under duress into the final moments of a game. I know it's been a while since we've gotten a chance to see those sorts of games in the playoffs, but I was hoping that this series would kind of rekindle that because the last time I remember going into the playoffs and really the outcome being in doubt was when the Spurs and the Heat were playing in the finals.
0: The thing that's so bizarre about this series is that It's 2-1 and Houston can theoretically win game four and all of a sudden we're talking about it being a series, but because every game has been a blowout... We don't really have a feel for the series, so I guess we have to kind of keep pushing it down the road. And if these Golden State Warriors blahs just keep happening, then I guess Golden State is just that much better. But Houston won by a decided margin in game number two, so I'm not entirely ruling out that the series could eventually be competitive. But one of the weird things, like you said, Sekou, in kind of the modern era is that even close series— Are just a sequence of blowouts that it's basically when the team gets hot from three or has hot shooting, they just go on to win by a massive margin. And there really aren't these haymakers between the two teams exchanges that you see, like you said, in a bygone era. It really does seem like even close series don't really have that many competitive games.
1: All right, let's move on to part one here. And, Seiko, this morning I put a poll up on at Five Reason Sports. That's the number five. We put a lot of polls there, and then we use the content in the podcast So certainly uh, check out that feed. But I put this up. Is the Warriors' dominance good for the game? Got over 250 votes so far, 39% yes, 61% no. Where do you come down on that?
2: I chuckle when I hear because – People are always saying they want parity. They want everybody to have a shot to win it. But really, all we've ever had in the NBA and really in most major sports is, is dynasties. Certainly in the NBA, you look at who's won all the titles, you know, just in the modern era. It goes against that pole completely. I love it. I want to see powerhouse teams. I want to see, super, you know, superstar Aladdin teams play for championships. And uh, I know that there's this sentiment that you want to see all these Lone Ranger superstars on their, you know, this team over here battling that team over there, and they got their star, and they got their star. It's never been like that. We've always had conglomerates of superstar players in the NBA. It's just the way that they're created now, I think, is what rubs people the wrong way.
0: For me, the thing that makes it different is that the league right now has about – 28 30ths of parity, right? 14 15ths of parity. And I I really do think that like for example, the Eastern Conference playoffs, like you could have been legitimately surprised at the outcome of Sixers Celtics, right? I thought the Sixers were going to win that series. Maybe you thought the Celtics would, but going in, there is a chance that either team could win. I would say right now in the Eastern Conference, The winner of Boston-Cleveland is unknown. I don't know if Cleveland, maybe they come back, they make it 2-2 tonight, they win a game in Boston, and they win the series in six. I, I don't know, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities that either team in that series can win. So I would say like 28 of the 30 teams are actually equal. Now, we can have a conversation about whether or not any of those teams are actually good, and that is really the problem with the super team era, is that now you think those are the teams that are good, and if a team has just one star, they're not any good, but the problem right now is that the NBA's system has worked to a large degree, except for in Houston and in Golden State, because Houston got done with two rounds of the playoffs that weren't competitive. Golden State got done with two rounds of the, of the playoffs that weren't competitive. And they're just so far and ahead of the rest of the league that... There's some parody, but there isn't enough to make the finals interesting. And ultimately, we want some parody, but the place where we want parody is questions about the conference finals and the finals and the outcome of them. And the reason why Golden State can be perceived to be bad for the league is that Golden State, there is no doubt anymore that they're probably going to win and... I said there's no doubt that they're probably going to, and that's kind of an oxymoron. But there is a considerable feeling that Golden State just isn't going to lose a major playoff series, and that is bad for the league in some respects, but it hasn't borne out in any of the metrics yet. In any of the metrics, we have yet, we've yet to see there actually is declining interest where ratings are falling, where social media metrics are down. All these things are up for the NBA. So that is kind of the oxymoron of this era is that, well, actually
1: more people are watching. That's the strange thing about it uh, to me is uh, again, you talk about ratings and other sports and we see what's happened with the NFL. And uh, to me, that's not just a political thing. There's a lot of things that go into that. To me, the thing about ratings that really speak to what the NBA brand is now is that the NBA is so built on individual players. And so people just want to see those players. And stacking those players on one or two teams actually makes it easier for some fans to follow the NBA, right? Because the players that they like, oh, they're all out there, right? Like, I mean, there's Durant and there's Curry and they're they're playing against LeBron in the finals and it's very easy to consume. Similar to the way, say, it was in the 80s where, okay, there's Bird and McHale and Parrish and, and Magic and, and all of those guys. So I do think in some ways uh, it makes it easier for nba fans to relate and that they like this but here's where i think the breaking point is guys i think if kevin durant does not join the warriors then there's not this gnashing of teeth about the warriors dynasty because i think the warriors might have been a dynasty anyway but the adding of kd makes it feel over the top and here's a couple of stats that came out the warriors are now 16 0 in oracle since kevin durant joined in the playoffs by 273 total points. They're winning by an average of 17 points a game in 16 home games without a loss since KD signed. The Warriors are exceptional everywhere, and I think that is what makes this a little bit different than past years.
2: I would make two points on, on this topic. The first is I don't know that it's such a foregone conclusion that the Warriors would win no matter what or that the Rockets would be guaranteed to win a championship. I think the Warriors much more so than the Rockets. If if Houston were to somehow win this series and play either Boston or Cleveland, I would not make Houston my slam dunk pick to win a championship. I think Boston would match up really good with them. And I think LeBron would easily have the power of LeBron, you know, working in his favor against the Rockets. So I think the real problem with it is that it's been the Cavaliers and the Warriors each and every time. Even when Miami was going... They played different opponents. You know, they they got a chance to match up against Dallas, against Oklahoma City, and then twice against, you know, the Spurs. So it gave it some variation. But let me take you guys into the psyche of a millennial. My 19-year-old son is a prime example of the type of fan that's out there now. He grew up in Indianapolis when I was covering the Pacers. So his first love of a basketball team was Indiana Pacers. He graduated to LeBron James, being a fan of LeBron's. So wherever LeBron has gone, that's been his favorite team. I asked him two days ago. We were eating breakfast. I got a chance to spend a little time with a a college freshman, which is rare, you know, that he would even give me 10, 15 minutes of his busy time. (laughs) But I asked him, and I was being facetious when I said it. I said, hey, Gabe, so who are you rooting for next after the Celtics beat LeBron and he leaves Cleveland? I laughed when I said it. He had four teams already in his mind. Well, if he goes there... That's what I'm rooting for. If he goes here, I'm rooting for that. there. And his his line was, he needs to get out of Cleveland anyway. We've been there, done that. It's time for us to go somewhere else. I mean, these people that age are fans of players specifically. To your point, Ethan, it's not about the team necessarily. It's about those individual stars that they like to follow. And if they're going to go join forces with other stars, that's fine by some of these young fans who have grown up in this era. They've grown up in this era of player movement, players deciding their own fate. And I think, to a large extent, it's what the league has fostered. They, they've promoted the power of these individual stars to the point that they want you to follow them if they pack up and go elsewhere, and that's fine by them because Paul George, and, in, you know, in Indiana is one thing, but Paul George playing with Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City, something totally different. Same thing with CP and Blake Griffin at the Clippers. Well, CP decides to go to Houston. Now it becomes the the fans that he brought you know, to the Clippers are now following him to Houston. It's just a to me, it's the it's the system that the NBA has really grown and developed over the years, and now it's coming to its full fruition with to technology and the way you can follow a player as opposed to just a team in a certain market.
0: As a fellow millennial, uh, I I will say that <laughs> the other the other thing that makes this NBA growth interesting is that. In May, when there really isn't a ton else going on, they always dominate the narrative, right? So if you're on social media and you're watching people talking about sports, you can mold whatever outcome you want – into a narrative. So last night happens and is, are the Warriors going to dominate the league for the next decade? Are they just this much better than everyone else? What happened to the Rockets? What happened to Harden? What happened to Paul? Like, regardless of any outcome, whether it is a 30-point game, the conversation can still continue about all these different things that happen within the series. Whereas for me, the most interesting thing that's happening right now in sports is in hockey, is the Vegas Golden Knights and expansion team going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And what's what's the talking point around on that wow this is really cool how cool is that really cool end of the conversation like there just isn't enough to carry conversations and I think that's what the NBA does so well is that regardless of the outcome the media the social media universe create a narrative and a discussion point and a talking point off of any outcome and so that for me is the reason why I think the NBA continues to grow even as the Warriors are dominating the league.
1: There is something unfair about it, though. I, I'm with you, Seku. Like, I, I agree completely. This is about players. And David Stern created that, right? Like, from the very beginning, it was about players. It wasn't about the teams. And we didn't hear a lot of complaining during that period of time about all of these Hall of Famers were on one, one or two teams, right? Like, I mean, if you go back to that era, not only did the Lakers have— three Hall of Famers in Jabbar, Worthy, and Magic. But Byron Scott was a pretty damn good player, and Michael Cooper might have been the best sixth man of his era. And then on the other side, not only did you have three Hall of Famers in the front court alone, but you had a Hall of Famer in the back court. And another player in Danny Ainge, who has a fifth guy on your team, would be pretty good. And then they brought in Bill Walton, another Hall of Famer. So this kind of stuff was happening. I think, again, the reason that this is frustrating for people with Durant is because it was really a one-time loophole, right? The cap exploded because of the television contract. The Warriors were in position at that time— to make a play for a guy who was frustrated because he had just lost to them, and then the cap flattened out after that. So not only did like the Warriors sort of crawl in through this tiny little crawl space, but then the crawl space closed and made it much more difficult for other teams to chase them. Now, we saw Houston make a move this offseason to do it. They had to give up like seven pieces, right, to get CP there. I'm not saying any of them were great pieces, but a couple of them were pretty useful players. I mean, Lou Williams almost made an all-star team. So to me, I think that's the frustration is that it feels like, yes, the Warriors built the right way. They built through the middle. They made great draft picks with Clay and Curry and Draymond in particular. But then they got this one-time loophole exception, and they just happened to be in the right place.
0: We'll carry on with the show. In just a moment, but first, a word from another of the podcasts and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Carlo Navas, and in this week's episode, we welcome Manny Navarro of the Miami Herald. It's the first time he's been on with us in the five years that we've been doing this, and Manny Navarro had some interesting things to say about Dion waiters. The last time I saw Dion, I want to say it was like early March. He was hanging out in the locker room and he looked like he put on a few pounds. So I know you guys are all excited about that. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it looked like he hadn't been running a whole lot, which, you know, I guess you could understand that considering he had ankle surgery. Something but it did injury. look like he's been enjoying, like,
2: nachos or something.
0: Catch all that and more on the Heat Beat podcast now on the 5 Reasons Podcast Network. And look out for a new episode every Monday until the NBA playoffs are over. You can check us out on Twitter at MIA Heatbeat for all the latest updates and info.
1: All right, let's get on to the next part here. And this is the question, because we all talk about what Golden State is doing to the league. The question becomes, how long can they do it? And there are four different ways, sort of four deadly sins that break up dynasty-type teams. And I remember when the Bad Boys documentary aired, and LeBron was in Miami, and asking LeBron and Wade if they'd watched it, and they had. And they picked up on some of these things, because a lot of them are common to the great teams in the NBA. And it's happened to just about all of them. I mean, even the Lakers, the great Lakers of the 80s, Pat Riley will admit that his ego got in the way a little bit. And even though he had written the book, The Winner Within, about the disease of me and trying to avoid that, that even his ego got involved. And that led to the breakup where he ended up leaving the Lakers. So here are the four things. And I'm just curious, to say, could which of these things do you think will be the thing that breaks up the Warriors' run here? There's injury, there's defection based on salary cap, particularly in this era, there's internal strife, and there's age. Which of those four do you think is are the Warriors most at risk of?
2: I think injury, because everything else about this Warriors group, to me, is really organic outside of adding KD. None of us saw Steph, Clay, or Draymond coming. If anybody tells you that they picked one of those guys to be the star that they've become their last name matches those guys last names or they're lying (laughs) because nobody nobody saw those guys as a unit becoming what they have in the in the time they've been in the league injury is the only thing to me that ever truly cannot be contained like if somebody has an injury and it's devastating enough it changes the course of careers and lives i mean and that's There's no question about it. You know, you think about Brandon Roy's knees. What if his knees aren't as brittle as they were? What might Portland have become? You can go back to Grant Hill. What might his career and the guys of who would have played with him, what would their careers have been like had he stayed healthy? You know, we could go back through the annals and pick injury casualties out over and over again. So I don't think this Warriors group is going to be torn apart by money, by individual guys wanting individual glory friction among the personalities it's just not it's not who they are and and they're of the same generation the same age so they can continue to grow and develop together because they're all so close in age it's not like you got an older kareem with a you know rookie magic and then you have this finite window of opportunity because you know at some point kareem's going to be too old to be effective you can go back through all these different things it's not like the clash of personalities you have with kobe and shaq where you know, supremacy is more important to both those guys than the longevity they could have had as teammates. The only other scenario to me that that makes sense is that the Warriors are basically poised to be the Spurs of this current and future generation. Like, they're going to be... If we look up after 15 years of those guys or at least pieces of that core group being intact here in the Bay, they could have a a Spurs-like run. I don't know that they're going to win you know, seven, eight championships. I'm not going there, but I'm saying if you look up and they've got five or six championships in a 12 to 15 year span I would not be shocked at all.
0: And this is something that can appear sort of without a problem on the surface maybe under uh, you sort of underneath it there is something worse happening but you just see the way that these guys get along and the way that they play together and the way that Steve Kerr keeps a fairly light atmosphere around the team. Yeah they've had some problems and Draymond certainly can be a volatile personality but Man, I just don't see the way that these guys get sick of each other or that they get the interpersonal dynamics that lead to teams breaking up or coming apart. I just don't see it with this team. And so it would have to be injury, like you said, Sekou, because Steph Curry is the ultimate wild card for getting injured again. And he is injured again in these playoffs. And quarter to quarter, he's either healthy or injured. And it depends on whether or not he's playing well or playing poorly. But I really think that there isn't anything. And even salary cap wise, I mean, Kevin Durant took a discount. Klay Thompson has said he's going to take a discount. Like, there isn't anyone that wants their own team. Like, if Klay Thompson decided, like, woke up tomorrow and said, you know what, what I really want is my own team so that I can score 25 points a game and really show the league how good I am. Like, people have said that's not in Klay Thompson's personality. Like, that's not what he wants. And so there isn't anyone, even Iguodala. Iguodala took a pay cut and, and is carrying on with the team. Like, maybe the only thing that ends up breaking them apart is the fact that these Nick Youngs and these Jordan Bells and Kevon Looney's like guys that really aren't good in their rotation end up dragging them down if they need to play heavy minutes or Quinn Cooks or whoever but it hasn't so far so why would it so I think at the very least until they move into their new arena this is going to be a team that's going to carry on as a juggernaut so I, I don't see really for the foreseeable future because we're not really there with age either unless Steph Curry ends up having major injury after major injury. I don't see a way that this really ends up changing.
1: You mentioned some of those other guys, Chris. And I, what I thought is interesting about these playoffs is that Curry has shrunk his rotation more than he ever has before. He's basically down to eight and a half, right? And if you look at that first Warriors team, he was playing 10 or 11 guys. And, and so now they're at the stage where he's really counting on their core six. You know, Curry, Durant, Thompson, Draymond, Iguodala, and Livingston. But it seems like they can handle it. And you mentioned a couple of things there. Let's start with the salary situation. To me, when Clay came out and said that he's willing to take less money to stay, or that's the report, that he might leave 30 $40, 50000000 million on the table, potentially also, that he doesn't necessarily want his own team, that ended it for the rest of the league for a while. Because that's, to me, been the one wild card in all of this, was would Clay want to prove himself? Because Clay went from being the number two guy on a championship team to being the number three and sometimes four guy on a championship team when he could be the number one guy on, I would say at least 10 to 12 teams in the NBA and still have some success, uh, at least make the playoffs. And so when Clay says that he wants to come back, that makes it really difficult for the rest of the league. And you mentioned some of the other contracts. You know, Sean Livingston is making seven and a half million dollars over the next couple of years, which for the level that he's still playing at, considering the injuries that he had early in his career, is a pretty reasonable salary for him. We talk about age, but Iguadala is playing at a really high level for age 34. He's not what he was offensively, maybe earlier in his career, but he's benefited from sliding back to a four or five. Or- Save big money on your outdoor project
0: now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FBP batteries today and view our
1: weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Same sixth spot on a team, as opposed to being at one point in Philadelphia, he was the number one guy. So you don't really have a a huge salary concern with them. They are always going to be able to find some useful piece. Now, maybe they haven't been as good at it lately, but they will always find guys to take less money to be part of their rotation, because that's what happens on championship teams. And it's also what happens, as you talk about, Chris, with a team that plays a style that is as much fun to play as that style is. And, 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 so, I th- and I
0: think it only gets easier now in the era where teams don't have money anymore, right? Because uh-huh. there are going to be teams, this, or there are going to be free agents this year that are going to be pretty good that aren't going to find a team to go and sign with. So I think that job has probably been harder the last two years because teams have had cap space. That job gets pretty easy now that you can say, hey, one-year career rehab, and you can go at it again in free agency next year.
2: I think you guys also got to factor in the unique group that these guys are. Even, and I think back to Miami with LeBron and Wade and Bosh, and they were friends before they got together, but they'd never played on the same team outside of USA Basketball. The organic nature of the relationship between Clay, Steph, and Draymond, to me, is what makes it go. It's what keeps them capable of doing all the stuff they've done. They've parted ways with key players, Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes, and all the different guys that have come through there, the, the other periphery players who are interchangeable. I mean, they won a championship last year, and God bless him. He's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. They won a championship last year with Zaza Pachula as their starting center. You know what I'm saying? The league is such now that you can add those parts, those supplementary parts. And I think about what Miami did, how they changed that roster every year to sustain what they were doing in terms of chasing championships. Good teams, good franchises with shrewd front offices. They figure out a way to keep watering that flower bed to keep it bloom, like to keep it going. And if you don't, you don't pull some weeds and change some things here and there, you probably flame out quicker. I think it it actually helps them that you have to continue massaging and tweaking that supporting cast to keep these guys viable. Nobody, look, nobody, and I'm going to say this until the end of time, nobody saw the Warriors coming. We always talk about, you know, this team next the Oklahoma City Thunder were supposed to be team next. I remember when they first broke through and went to the playoffs, and then they went to the finals in 2012, and I asked Scott Brooks, I said, you know, you look at this group and envision them competing like this for the next 10 to 12 years, and he looked me dead in my face, and he said, how dare you assume this thing stays together for 10 to 12 years? He's like, there are no guarantees that this group will even be back to the finals. And he was right. They never even made it back to the finals as, as a core group, Harden, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Look at them now. They're all spread on different. I mean, we have no idea how it would turn out. But for the Warriors, because it's been so long coming with that core three player group and the bond that they have, I think theirs is the most sustainable model of this sort that I've seen of all these these big three iterations, if you will, of the modern era.
1: You mentioned Miami a little bit. And the reality is they didn't really refresh it. They did the second year where they added Shane Battier. They did the third year where they added Ray Allen. But look at what happened, Sekou, going into that fourth year, right? They amnestied a very popular guy in Mike Miller, which didn't go over well in that locker room. They didn't replace him with any talent that they could count on. They, they replaced him with two reclamation projects in Greg Oden and Michael Beasley, neither of which worked out. And in the case of Beasley, was not something that was really welcomed By some other guys on that team. So the Heat were in a position where they were trying to win big, but also thinking at the long term, and they thought LeBron was going to be there, and so they would be paying these big luxury tax bills, and so they were trying to shave around the edges, even to the point where they traded a guy who we can argue whether he was a really good player, but another guy who was popular in the locker room, where they gave away Joel Anthony for nothing. In addition, they also gave up a draft pick, a draft pick that they got when they passed on Draymond Green. In a previous draft. And so I think those things hurt them in a way that I don't see anything hurting the Warriors. As you mentioned, they've, they've lost some popular players, but they've managed to keep the core together, and they've also added some pieces that have refreshed things, and I think the arena is really going to help them. So I, I do think it's much more sustainable than some of the recent dynasties we've seen.
0: We'll carry on with the show in just a moment, but first, a word from another of the podcasts and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Not that we're always right on the Three Yards Per Carry podcast, but we tend to have a pretty high batting average.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if they pulled some sort of Stefan Anthony deal, you know, with a kind of a guy who's in the perimeter so in the bubble of you know, giving up a uh, six-round pick or whatever.
0: If I had to make a line, I would say Minka Fitzpatrick is a clear-cut favorite to be taken at 11.
1: But I think number one overall is going to be Baker Mayfield with the Cleveland Browns. And I don't
0: think that Rashad Penny's going to end up here because I think he's going to go in the first round. So a guy that they can get in third and beyond is Callan Balich of Arizona State. On Saturday, Justify will win the Kentucky Derby. But wait, that's mostly me being right. Well, maybe Chris and Simon should get some editing software. So tune in every Thursday morning for the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast on the 5 Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, so now that we've talked so much about how the Warriors are going to dominate the league for the next decade, let's talk about some of the... Potential circumstances from outside of the team, not the internal factors, but the external factors that could at least pose challenges to the Warriors going forward. And I want to start Sekou with Boston, not so much because of what they're doing now, although it's incredibly impressive with Brad Stevens getting this team as we speak now to a 2-1 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. But what they could be, because we've seen this year that Jason Tatum is going to be a star Jalen Brown certainly built on his rookie season and has the potential to be a star. You've got a solid big guy who doesn't seem to be aging in Al Horford. And then you have the two guys who were supposed to be the two best players on your team in Kyrie Irving and in Gordon Hayward who are not even playing right now. And this team has gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you've unearthed a gem, a guy who, if he's not your starter going forward, can be one of the best six men in the league in Terry Rozier. How serious is the Boston threat to Golden State,
2: I don't think it's serious at all, to be honest with you, because I don't know that any of what we've seen from Boston suggests that they're going to be what we all imagine they're going, you know, they're going to be. They haven't broken through to the finals yet. Like if if they were to get to the finals, at least get there in this current iteration with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie and Street close, then I would be more inclined to assume that they're going to continue on the same sort of trajectory. Either. But I've been covering this league too long and seen too many. I joke about this with with one of my editors. We call them Team Next. And it's always this group that everybody gets fired up by and goes, man, these guys are poised to do it. And it's Portland. It's been the Thunder. Broke up. Never happened. You know, and, and you just look around at time after time when it looks like there's this structure for a team to be a contender, a legitimate contender for a number of years. We don't have that group to me that's that's guaranteed anymore. That Detroit, think about the Detroit team that went to the conference finals, what, six straight years? You know, you didn't you didn't know for sure, but it looked like all oh, right if they stay together and this thing, keep this thing together, they could do this for the better part of the next decade, which is an eternity in sports, as you guys know. Six, seven years of something. it, it feels like it's been a lifetime because the nature of sports, we look at it and our memories are so short, some of us. Fans, you know, don't follow it historically the way we do. And I have to always remind myself that the context we use for these sorts of things is totally different than what, you know, a certain segment of the, you know, the fans might. So I'm not buying Boston stock long term until I see them make a breakthrough. If you don't have that breakthrough year where you get to the finals or at least you cross that point where you're, you know, you're no longer just potentially something special, but you've shown that you're on the stage to execute that. It's hard for me to be convinced that it's going to happen. I mean, Terry Rozier might decide he wants to go play somewhere else for a bunch of money and then you take that piece away. If Gordon Hayward and Kyrie are there, maybe Tatum and Brown's roles aren't as significant. so then you take that away. So there's always something that that is gained by the adversity or whatever the setback might be for a team like Boston that you can't account for if all things were equal. and I just i'm I'm very hesitant to to give them that tag until I see something of a breakthrough from them. They got to get past Cleveland. They got to get past LeBron first and into the finals before I'd be willing to jump on that bandwagon.
0: I am not as hesitant. For me, what they've done so far in these playoffs has been a a breakthrough because I think a lot of people thought – they were just going to go out and be potentially even in the first round I think they were sort of Washington and Miami were playing to try and get Boston in that first round they get all the way to the conference finals and for me there is a breakthrough I would say Indiana had a breakthrough because they competed with LeBron James and that's not an insignificant feat even with a down Cleveland team I think that what they've done so far in this playoffs even going to nothing up in that series has been a pretty substantial breakthrough given that I think a lot of people had written off the team before they even got in the playoffs, and it's not just that they're going to get players back and that those players led teams to playoff series victories in years previous, but it's also that for as much as we've talked about their assets, their assets continue to grow. Like they have Memphis's pick, uh, like protected f- for the top seven, I think. They have the Clippers' pick protected to the lottery. They have the Kings' unprotected pick. Like they just keep adding and adding and adding, and they're going to keep adding and adding uh, as, as Chris, they go Chris, on. Chris,
2: come on. Those are empty calories, dude. You-, you mentioned a perfect example Indiana, David West, Paul George, Roy Hibberdeckel. Remember, they were, they were yeah. te- another team next. Never happened, dude. It, I'm telling you, until you break through and win something, like the the conference at least.
0: You, you, would, you wouldn't say what they've won so far has been winning a lot, considering what, what, what we expected from them?
2: It's not about what you expect from them. It's about what you accomplish. Like, what do you actually do? What can you hold on to? What concrete can you build upon as a group in terms of what you've accomplished? Indiana's a, that is a, the best example possible. I'm glad you brought them up because I totally forgot them. Because are the, the road is littered with Team necks that never happen on the road to this thing. You either win championships and compete for championships or you don't. Sooner or later, if you don't make the breakthrough, it breaks up. And Indiana is a prime example of that very fact. Sooner or later, all this sort of machinations of trying to get there and, oh, you know, if this goes right and that goes right, this team could potentially be this. Well, and if those things don't go right and they're not that, they're gone. It vanishes. Indiana is is a completely different operation now than it was four years ago when we thought, when they were fighting with Miami to get to the you know to the NBA finals. That hey, you know, when the Miami situation dissolves or if it changes in whatever fashion, Indiana's poised to take their place. They're not. Never happened.
1: But I would say this, Seiko, and this is where I would differ a little bit. I, the Boston situation to me is so compelling because not only do they have so many additional assets, which they can then package to get another star, which is not something that a lot of these so-called team nexts had but also the core of their team right now is is already accomplished and yet young I mean if you look at the age of their roster right now you know you're talking about Tatum at 20 Brown at 21 Kyrie not yet 30 Hayward still in his prime Horford in his 30s but again the type of player that I thought Chris Bosh was going to be in his 30s if he had stayed healthy where Horford can play at a pretty high level for a long, long time I think a lot of these other team next they had like A couple of really, really nice pieces, but there didn't seem to be the path that there is for Boston to be able to build on that and become something greater. And the other thing is we've seen recently, whereas Danny Ainge was getting a lot of criticism for some of his draft picks that didn't work out, and there are a lot if you go back, he's given himself so many bites at the apple, similar to what Belichick has done in new England where they're constantly accumulating picks that eventually he hit on a Jalen Brown at three. He hit on a Jason Tatum at three and got another draft pick from Philadelphia basically for passing on Markel Fultz and ending up dropping down and taking the player that he wanted to take anyway. So look, you're right. Nothing is guaranteed in sports, particularly in this league. As you mentioned, golden state came out of the middle. Nobody really saw them coming. I mean, look, their coach didn't see it coming. Mark Jackson was playing David Lee over Draymond green, right? Like, so Even people close to that situation didn't necessarily see this coming. But I just think Boston is better positioned than a lot of teams we've seen recently to be able to make that leap. And I don't even think it matters if they get to the finals this year for me to believe that. I I think what they've accomplished already is significant enough. I do want to move to some of these other pieces, though. Let's get on to the LeBron part of this. Because there are two places that I think if LeBron goes to, we could be having a conversation about those teams being challengers to Golden State sooner rather than later. So I'll pose this to you, Seku: Philly or Houston, which team do you think would be better for LeBron? And which team do you think ultimately would have a better chance to challenge Golden State with LeBron?
2: Wow, that's a good question. I think Philly makes more sense, would be better for LeBron, and gives you a better opportunity to challenge the Warriors because you would be catching them at the very end of, of the road. You know, the idea that you would come West and have to beat your head against some of these other Western Conference teams to try and get to the Warriors potentially, that would be, to me, short-circuiting the real aim of, of going somewhere else if you're LeBron. Because you you want to be able to dominate where you've always dominated in the East and then meet up for a championship. You want to meet up when you're competing against the Warriors for everything. The idea of facing the Warriors in the conference finals, if you're LeBron, in Houston or somewhere before you would get to the NBA Finals, to me, makes no sense. LeBron can dominate in the East for the next four or five years if he were to go to Philly. You know, you, you look at their makeup or their roster and we start talking about the hypotheticals and what, what somebody's accomplished. To me, that's almost as sweet or sweeter than what Boston has because I like Joel Embiid better than any of Boston's young stars. I'm talking about Brown and Tatum. Even more than I like Kyrie, to be honest with you. And Kyrie's already an accomplished champion. He's won a title and all that, but if you ask me which one of those guys would I want, even with both of their injury issues, if you said, which one do I want for the next 10 years, I'd take Embiid. I mean, t- I would take potentially transcendent big man talent over Kyrie right now. Even in this era of the NBA, I really would. To me, he's like the model for what you'd want a dominant big man to be in this you know era of the NBA. So yeah, I, I think LeBron's best situation would be to stay East, stay where you know you can dominate, and then you get with those younger talents And you take those guys to the next level the same way he took Kyrie and Kevin Love to that next level.
0: I think wherever LeBron goes instantaneously becomes the second best team in the league unless he stays in Cleveland. Because if you're saying that he shouldn't go out West, then you're basically saying you shouldn't lose in the conference finals. You should lose in the finals if you're going to lose, right? So I'm not necessarily a believer that he should stay in the Eastern Conference just because the West was a gauntlet when there were six really good teams in it. That really isn't the case anymore. And so you look you look up and down the conference, it's really only Golden State and Houston that are right now are the difficult teams. And so I do think that the West, if there was a time to go, now might not be a bad time because yeah, you'll have you know maybe one more difficult series than you do in the East, but you can't say that what LeBron's going through right now being 2-1 down to Boston or going seven with the Pacers weren't difficult series. So I do think that it might be a, a bit overstated how difficult the conference Conferences. So if we're kind of just saying, okay, what would be the best team that LeBron could possibly assemble or join in this offseason? I would actually say it's the Los Angeles Lakers if they turn their $60 million in cat space into LeBron and Paul George and then flip their young players for a third player, I, whoever whoever that might be, whether it's Kawhi, whether, whether it's whomever, right? I think that LeBron in this offseason can assemble a really good team with two or three superstars in Los Angeles. And I would like to see him give that a go because I think if we're talking about things that can at least reignite the narrative of the NBA, it would be LeBron forming another super team somewhere else. So I don't think it necessarily has to be in the Eastern Conference. And whether it's Simmons and Embiid in the East or someone out West, like I don't think that the West really is as big of a detractor as it might have been even a year ago, even three years ago.
2: I don't know that I like the idea of if you're trying to win a championship, why would you get in the path of the Warriors before the championship round? It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm it's my East Coast bias. I don't know. I've never I've never lived and worked on the West Coast. But I my thinking is you take whatever the best, the least tumultuous path to a championship that you can find. And nobody ever blamed the Lakers when they were, done. you know, the Kobe. And Shaq Lakers or Shaq Kobe Lakers, however you have to say it to to keep from offending somebody's sensibilities. But nobody, you know, nobody said, hey, you know, they're dining on on lunch meat when they get to the finals because they've already eaten all, you know, eaten through all the steak in the Western Conference. Like, so what? The end goal is to win a championship. And my, my thinking is you get to the point where you can compete for a championship in whatever way is the least taxing on your unit. So when you get there, you can compete at the very highest level. There're no guarantees of course that LeBron wins a ch- a title, that he's going to go and win a championship. But there there's less of a of an opportunity to me if you're in the Warriors' direct path as opposed to meeting them at the end
1: of the road. There is one counter to it though and I think Chris has hit on it a little bit. The, the West is at, the Warriors I'll give you, right? And let's say that Houston doesn't get LeBron, so they come back relatively intact. You know, those likely would be the two best teams in the conference next year, anyway. But he's right about the rest of the West. I mean, if you look at the way that played out this year, nobody thought Portland was going to be competing for a three seed before the season, and particularly the way that they started the year. So we're not talking about the same kind of Western Conference, particularly with what's going on in San Antonio. So let's say that Kawhi leaves San Antonio, and let's say that Paul George leaves OKC. Who's the third best team in the West next year? I mean, LeBron could conceivably join any team in the West. Right. And they might be the second or third, probably be the second best team in the West immediately. Right. Um, Probably ahead. If it's not Houston, he would probably be ahead of Houston. So I think if you're ever going to go when you see what Boston is developing, when you assume that Toronto is going and I know LeBron has a hold over Toronto and he owns the entire country. But if you're assuming Toronto is going to be good, at least you have Giannis in Milwaukee. If you don't join Philadelphia, they still have a very good young team. So I think if you're ever going to go, now's the time. Just want to pose this to end it. And I think it's been a good conversation about these other potential teams. Chris mentioned the Lakers, and I can see a path there. Is there any other team, Sekou, that you could say could be that term that you hate, team next, over the (laughs) next two to three years, other than the Boston, Philly, and Los Angeles possibilities that we've mentioned?
2: You know, uh, if I believed in... To really believe in Anthony Davis and what he could do potentially in New Orleans, I just don't buy it. But that would be my dream scenario. We'd be going to the finals and it'd be 96 degrees and everybody's, you know, walking around the French Quarter sweating out. Who's going to win an NBA championship? But they, that would be an awesome thing to have a championship caliber team in that city. Outside of his talent, like outside of a, a – to me, you got to be an Anthony Davis type talent for me to jump on that train and think, all right, you got an opportunity to be – you know, a group that upends what's going on in Golden State right now. I don't know that there's another core group out there. The La- I know everybody was infatuated with the Lakers, and I love L.A. as much as anybody, the city and hanging out there and all that. Man, the Lakers were not <laughs> – their, their young group is not nearly as stout as I think some people believe it to be. Lonzo Ball's got a long way to go, long way to go. Kuzma's, you know, really good. I think Brandon Ingram is still very far away from what he – needs to be for them to be, to morph into the type of team people expect. So it would take an infusion of LeBron, Paul George type talent immediately to, to jumpstart what they got going on. I don't, the only other group to me that makes any kind of sense, and I know this is a weird city for it to be a potential thing, is Milwaukee, is if somehow you, you know, you are able to find the right young star talent to put around, or even veteran star talent to put around Giannis. Then maybe we're talking. Then then you maybe have a superstar, potentially, in Giannis who's capable of dominating on the scale we're talking about. Because that's what you need. you you got to have not just one all-star. You have to have multiple all-stars. But then you have to have at least one of those guys be a Kevin Durant-type, potentially Kevin Durant-type talent. It's got to be somebody who could literally challenge as the best player in basketball when it's on the line in June and there's a championship to be won.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think you really pick any team here because I think we've mentioned all the teams that look closest to it at the moment. It really is on individuals, right? So you mentioned Anthony Davis, it's Kawhi Leonard. Like if Kawhi Leonard goes somewhere, that's not one of the teams that we talked about. Then they enter the conversation if he comes back healthy about Giannis. I mean, I I don't know, you know, uh, you'd imagine Giannis will stay in Milwaukee. So maybe that gets tougher, but it really is on these emerging young players that, can create something new and something different in a given city and maybe forge it together with some other of these major talents. So I don't think that there's any team right now that looks the most obvious that aren't in the conference funnels at this moment in time. It really is going to take some amalgam of superstar talents coming together or forcing their way out of a situation to create a different look
1: all right thank you for joining us Seku Smith you can find him as always on NBA TV he's covering the Western Conference Finals also check out his podcast the Hangtime Pod you can find that on iTunes and all the other places that you find us thanks for joining us today Seku.
2: sure guys I appreciate it